going to move into the last week of our Christmas sermon series called A Different Story. And I want to walk into that part of the last part of the sermon series by going back in time to the first microwave. I don't know, maybe some of you remember the first microwave. I'm not calling you old, I'm just saying in, in your state of seasoned life, maybe you remember that first microwave. Here's a picture of it. We're going to put a picture of it right here. I don't know, maybe some of you remember the 1946 Raytheon. It was the first commercial oven intended for use in restaurants and for reheating meals on airplanes. It was a big honking thing. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you remember it, but I'm sure you probably didn't have it in your home. But then, then something changed. And some of you may have had this in your home. And here it is. In 1955, the Tappan RL1 hit the market. It was a wall-mounted microwave oven that sold for almost $11,000 in today's money. I don't know. I wish you were here, right here. I'm wondering if some of you be raising your hands. Maybe Macon. Maybe Macon. I don't know. Maybe Macon had one of those. I don't know. I know Don Cagle probably had one. That man is full of money. Uh, and he probably bought one of those. But, but microwaves have really done a doozy for us, haven't they? You know, here's what's happened with, for me, with microwaves. And this pun intend, is intended. Microwaves have nuked my ability to be patient. That's what they've done. I don't know, maybe they've done that for you. I know that my ability to be patient has really declined now that I can just throw food in a microwave and heat it up after about 30 seconds and have it ready to eat. You know we can have food ready in 30 seconds, one minute. Well, that does a doozy on our patience. You see, sometimes we forget that there's a lot of benefit in waiting. Often we think that God is somewhere else. This morning I want us to remember that often God is writing a different story in our waiting. That's where we're going to go in our last passage this morning. We're going to pick up in the last part of the Christmas story, one that we may not always read in the Christmas season. Luke chapter 2, we begin with verse 22. We're picking up with, with a scene just days after the birth of Jesus. Verse 22, Luke chapter 2. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him that the Holy, by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he, had been, before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit. He went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people Israel. 
The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. There's a lot happening here, and that's theme. And the thing I want to pay attention to are these two older saints, these two older people, Simeon and Anna. They're there in the temple on that day as Mary and Joseph go in. They're just doing the things required by the law. They're carrying their new baby Jesus with them. And as they walk in, they walk into a story that's ongoing. It's a story already being written in the lives of Simeon and Anna. These two people, they're waiting. Luke says that they're waiting. One, Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel, the comfort of God's people. And Anna there then when she sees some type of praise breaking out, she then begins to praise God because she's been waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. These are hopes. These are big hopes. We've already talked in the series that these hopes are grounded in a violent world where Rome is oppressing God's people. Last week we noted that at different times, Rome would crucify enemies of the state and those crosses would line the streets. Line the streets throughout Judea. And people would walk past them knowing that if you become an enemy of Rome, this would be your fate. You too would be crucified. This is the world that Simeon and Anna are living in. And day after day, they are hoping that God's going to show up that God would bring comfort to His people. That He would redeem Jerusalem. He would rescue them from a foreign invader. And I don't know what scriptures they had memorized. I don't know the words of their prayers. But I got a couple guesses. In the last part of the book of Isaiah, there are prophecies about how God would finally bring comfort to His people. And I just wonder... I wonder on, on those many days that Simeon and Anna are there in the temple praying and fasting, devout and righteous people, they have these scriptures, these promises in Isaiah rolling through their mind. They're on the tips of their tongues as they pray to God for the consolation of Israel, as they wait for the redemption of Jerusalem. I wonder if these may be some of those scriptures. Isaiah 49, take a look. Isaiah 49, 13. Shout for joy, you heavens, rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts His people and will have compassion on His afflicted ones. Then try this, Isaiah 51, 3. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. 
He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Men, try this one in Isaiah 57, 18 through 19. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, peace to those far near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. I just wonder if those are some of the scriptures rolling through the heart and souls of Anna and Simeon. The day after day as they're in the temple, as they feel the oppression of Rome, they got on the tips of their tongues the prayers worded from Isaiah. That God one day would bring consolation to Israel. He would bring redemption to Jerusalem. But I imagine after years of praying, those prayers, they got frustrated. I imagine they were very similar to us after waiting for decades for God to finally do His thing. When God would finally come in and He would bring comfort and joy and peace finally on that day. Well, when that day never came, day after day, I imagine there was some frustration. I wonder if sometimes they prayed to God as the psalmist sometimes would pray, Where are you, God? Have you ignored us? Where are you? Uh, I imagine that's sometimes how we feel. You pray and you pray and you pray and you don't feel like there's any answer. And you wonder, where is God? But that day, that day when Mary and Joseph walked into the temple carrying this baby, Simeon knew this was the one. This child was the answer to all of those prayers. God was finally going to rescue His people. Here, in the arms of Mary, was the consolation of Israel. This young boy would be the redemption of Jerusalem. And Simeon is full of so much praise, he says, Finally, God, you can take me. I am at peace. Then, Anna coming through the temple, hears the prayers coming from Simeon, and she sees this child now being held by Simeon, and she says, that's the one, and then she breaks out in praise, and everyone on that day knew that God was with them. It was a good day. But the thing behind the scenes that you and I have to remember is that God was with them even while they were waiting. On the day that Mary and Joseph showed up, Jesus being carried in his mother's arms, the day where Simeon and Anna broke out in praise because he was the consolation of Israel, he was the answer to all of their prayers. He was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecies. He was the answer. He was praise. God was with them. There, on that day, God was there. You and I can't forget that the day before they ever walked into the temple, God was with them also. Two days before Mary and Joseph walked into the temple carrying the consolation of Israel, God was with them. You know, three days before they walked into the temple carrying the redemption of Jerusalem, God was with them. 
two months before Mary and Joseph walked into the temple, God was with them. This is so important. This is so important because the temptation inside of every one of us, it would have been inside of Simeon and Anna, is always right there at the surface. It feels so real. Here's the temptation. Take a look. Let me say it this way. We're tempted to see God only when He answers our prayers like we want. But in reality, He is with us while we're asking. God is often writing a different story even in our waiting. That's a key lesson out of this story. And I know this is the case because I know the way Luke put the story together. In just a couple verses, he makes sure that every reader, you and me, know that God had been with Simeon long before Mary and Joseph walk up into the temple carrying the constellation of Israel. Take a look at how Luke put the story together. Before we ever get Jesus in the temple, we make sure to know this. Luke 2, 25-27. Take a, take a look. We'll review these verses. He, Simeon, was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Three times, Luke notes that the Spirit of God was with Simeon. He was on him. He was motivating him. All of it happening while he was waiting. That tells us that in all of the years, all of the prayers, all of the requests that went unanswered, God was with him. He was writing a different story even while Simeon was waiting. Even as Anna fasted and prayed day after day, God was with her. The Spirit of God was moving even in the waiting. And this is so important for us because so often we feel like God has abandoned us even when we wait. So here's the lesson. I want to say it this way. Let's take a look. God is not, God is not far off ignoring His people's prayers. He is present. Working out His plan for the good of all those who love Him. He is no less present in our waiting than in He is in our answered prayers. Let me say that part again. God is no less present in our waiting than He is in our answered prayers. This is not intuitive. So often when we bring our praises, when we tell people to praise God, it's because an answer has come. We've been praying over and over and over again that someone would be healed, and then they get good results from the doctor. And then what do we do? We praise God. If you're like me and you text message, you use text messaging, when those praises go out, sometimes I put clap hands, you know, as, a, as one of those emojis. Sometimes you put the prayer hand. Sometimes you put the big smiley face. I don't know. Sometimes you put the party symbol. Anytime there's an answered prayer, you send back praise. It's not often, it's not often that we're sending the party symbol or the clap hands while we're praying, while we keep asking. 
while we keep making the request but never getting the answer we want. But what this story tells us is that the Holy Spirit was there and He was moving and He was present and God was with them even as they prayed day after day after day with no answer. Christmas is a story about God with us. But it is also a story about waiting. And that's where there's a lot of application for you and for me. This is where we find God's Word coming right where we live. Here's the thing, here's the first thing I want to say about the application. First thing is that we're, we're in a global season of waiting. We're in a global season of waiting. We're waiting for COVID to go away. We're waiting for vaccines to come and take away this disease. We're waiting for quarantines to be done. We're waiting for the opportunity to meet again fully in person. We're waiting for a sense of normalcy. Around the global, waiting. And I don't know about you, but almost every week I say something like, man, I just can't wait until we're back to normal. It just seems to be right there on my lips. So, so much so that it like happens all the time. I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting. Maybe you're waiting. I'll tell you what, as I look at an empty room, I'm waiting for you to come back. I'm waiting for normal. But you know the danger with all that waiting. You know the danger with all that future casting. It can take our eyes off of what is right in front of us. Let me say it this way. Here's how I want to say it. We must be careful not to focus so much on the future that we miss God with us right now, even as we wait. God is with us right now. God is with us as we wait for vaccines. God is with us as we wait to get back to normal. God is with us and He's moving. He's still writing a different story. God has not given up on us. God has not left us. He has not thrown us to the trash heap. He is with us. And I imagine every one of us has a story of God's grace being written into our lives. Because God is still in the business. God is still in the business of turning things for good for all those who love Him. Quarantine does not separate us from God. It might remove us from each other, but God is with us. And so let's be very careful not to cast our vision so far in the future that we forget that God is right here. His Spirit is still moving. So that's one application. All right, here's another one. Here's our last application. God is not a microwave. And He is often writing a different story for us even in our struggles. This is really important for us to feel and know. In a world where everything is optimized for effectiveness and efficiency, we sometimes forget that God is not a microwave. God doesn't just bake things quickly. Often God does things slowly. So we may make our request today and see the answer five years from now. That's sometimes how God works. Sometimes God is working the answer to a prayer 
but it will not come to fruition for another lifetime. Sometimes we pray a prayer, but we don't exactly understand what we pray for, but God makes sure to turn it all to good. But He's cooking that prayer in a crock pot. He's not throwing it into the microwave and hitting the 30-second button. This is really important. We have been so trained to believe that everything must move fast that we forget that God is not in the business of fitting our world of efficiency and effectiveness. God is in the business of writing a story for our good. If if efficiency and effectiveness was the number one goal, then God should speed up pregnancy. Nine months? Why couldn't He do it in a day? Well, that's because there's something about a pregnancy that needs to take the full nine months. There's something about growing a tree that takes 30 years so its roots are deep. God is not a microwave. So wherever you find yourself, maybe it's a diagnosis, maybe you've just been hit with a new disease, maybe you just lost a loved one, maybe you're dealing with aging parents who are a struggle to be with, maybe you have a child that's really difficult to raise, Maybe you have a co-worker that is a challenge. Wherever you are, wherever you find yourself in the waiting, you keep asking and you keep praying, knowing God is with you even in the unanswered prayers. God is with us in the waiting. And that's really important to remember because we have been well trained by microwaves to think that if it doesn't happen today, well then God must have said no. No, no. God is working. He's cooking things slowly. That's the way the world often works. So let's take a next step. I want to get a next step down on the ground. Now this might be one of my favorites. I got a I kind of a list of my top, top, top next steps, but this one may take take them all. Here it is. Next step for this week. At least once, I'm not saying do it all the time, at least once, heat up your food using your stove instead of your microwave. And remember, God is with you as you wait. That's something you and I can do. Now, I'm assuming you have a microwave and you have a stove. If you don't have either one of those, then figure out a way to do something slowly that you often do quickly. But for most of us, we have a stove and a microwave. So, when you take out the soup, take out the leftover soup out of the refrigerator, throw it in a pot and heat it up on the stove, don't throw it in the microwave. Let that be a way of training us that God is with us as we wait. Literally, as you wait 10 minutes for your food to heat up, remember, let that physical act, let let the actual stove, the experience of a stove and a, a slow heating moment remind you that as you pray for those things that you're hoping God will answer today, that He is with you, that God is with you. So the next step here is to train ourselves to not always do things quickly. That's the goal here. To train ourselves to slow it down and remember God is with us. So that next time you pray that God would please heal that loved one of cancer, that you remember that even even in the middle of the waiting, God is with you. And so maybe at the stove, you'd remember God is with you. That's something we can do this week to remind us 
But the Christmas story is not just about God with us. It is about God wait, about us waiting and God with us in our waiting. That's a good thing for us to remember. It's a good thing for us to train. Let's, let's end with prayer. Father, I pray that you would watch over us, that you would take us to a place where we realize that you are with us. Would you remind us this week that as we wait, as we pray, as we ask, that even in the waiting, you are writing a story for our good. Would you please watch over everyone who is struggling in the waiting? Be patient with them. Give them grace. And we pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus, who came, is our comfort and our peace, especially in this season of Christmas. And together we say, in this room and at home, amen.